Welcome back to another edition of Down to the Wire, the weekly show where we recap everything that's been happening in the NHL in the past week. Uh, again, alongside my NHL analyst, Nolan Thode. Nolan, how are you doing today? You know, I'm not doing bad. Uh, you know, got a little sleep in because uh, two two quads in a row, they uh, gave me the spare. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. A little bit of a sleep in, got outside today. So, you know, enjoying the weather as much as I can. You know, that's kind of funny uh, how you didn't get uh, two spares in a row. I, mm -hmm. I'm sure the school tried to do as much to prevent that as possible to at least keep you busy. But I think that would be quite funny if you ended up with two spares in a row. Yeah, exactly. Just being done now. I know a couple of people who have it. So, you know, they're, they're lucky. You know, grade 12 is already over for them. Well, getting right into the news, uh, Alexander Holtz uh, signed his entry-level contract with the New Jersey Devils, another young core, uh, young piece to the core that they have there in New Jersey. And, you know, like like I've been talking about, like I, I think New Jersey's a wagon right now, uh, or for the future, I should say. Like, you know, mm -hmm. they have Alexander Holtz is going to be joining Heischer and, and Hughes. Uh, so the three H's, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was drafted seventh overall in 2020. I love him. Uh, you know, I think he plays a great uh, two-way game. Uh, you know, I, I think he'll be great for uh, New Jersey and how they want to build around him. He has 18 points in 40 games for uh, Drew Garden's IF of the SHL. So that's, uh, you know, the top Sweden league uh, over there in Sweden. Uh, and then he had three points in five games at the World Juniors. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he can build upon his performance in the SHL and continue that into the AHL. Yeah, exactly. Holtz, Holtz was, you know, top top three, I think, at the start of last season, you know, in terms of, you know, on the draft board, he slipped a little bit, but New Jersey's able to get him at seven. I think he's a solid prospect. And, you know, I just got to agree with you in terms of, you know, the influx of young talent that New Jersey has. And it's going to be exciting to see, you know, how their team shapes up in the next couple, next couple of years. Dallas announced they are increasing their fan capacity to 30%. That's 10% more than what they currently have, which is 20%. Uh, you know, hopefully more teams do this uh, mm -hmm. since they are trying to recover, uh, you know, budget losses from the pandemic ridden season uh, a year ago. But yeah, uh, you know, it's great to see that uh, more fans are making their way into buildings. Yeah, you know, you're not surprised, you know, Dallas, Texas, you know, they, they had that full uh, baseball game, but no, it's going to be good for Dallas. They're, they're in a stretch where, you know, they might be able to get that fourth spot in their division. So, you know, having the fans back, you know, to go along the ride is going to help them for sure. We have some hometown news uh, here in Burlington, Ontario. Josh Anderson uh, on Monday was playing first line minutes against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know, just the tad tidbit right there. Uh, super proud of, uh, you know, the hometown kid. Uh, obviously, when Shane Wright, uh, you know, when the U18 uh, tournament gets going tomorrow, Canada plays tomorrow, uh, we'll have more news on how Shane Wright is doing because we like to cover uh, how Burlington athletes are doing. No, absolutely. You know, Josh Anderson last year struggled with injuries, uh, but, you know, it's just been a great, you know, bounce back for him on the Canadians. And, you know, I'm sure you as a Habs fan, but also, you know, as a, you know, resident of Burlington are happy to see it. It's one of those trades, you know, people were mad at Bergerman at the time of, you know, that trade and, you know, he signed the long-term contract right after, but, you know, a year later almost, and Josh Anderson's looking like a really solid piece for the Habs top six, you know? And Max Domi has been healthy scratched twice so far. Yeah. So it looks like John Tortorella is trying to get himself fired because uh, yeah. if I look if I look down that Columbus lineup, it seems as though Domi should be a fit, you know, on the top six. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, Domi's just been an interesting guy, you know, never really found anything in Arizona. And then his first season in Montreal, you know, he actually had a lot of success. Second year wasn't as great, ended up being in the fourth line center in the playoffs. And then, you know, just hasn't been able to do anything in Columbus either. Zach Hyman is out a minimum of two weeks with a sprained MCL. This comes after Alex Edler need him uh, last week, actually. Uh, and Edler was suspended for two games. And, you know, as Hockey Night in Canada or, you know, the Sportsnet crew was going through the injury and kind of evaluating it, I thought that two games was justified because I think that's really the standard for uh, kneeing penalties uh, and suspensions. So, you know, this is probably the best news possible, but at the same time, it can be the worst news. Like you don't want to hope, you don't want to wish for Hyman to miss more than two weeks, but uh, two weeks from now, right, is basically the playoffs. It's nearing the end of the regular season for the Leafs. They can clinch at any point right now. So, yeah. Um, and also, Ray Ferraro pointed this out, but the leg he injured in the hit with Edler was the same leg he had major surgery on. So, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, important news to share because hopefully uh, it, he doesn't have a setback where he needs to go get another major surgery on the same leg. Yeah, exactly. You know, Zach Hyman, I've talked about him. He's just one of those guys that's going to give you 110% every kind of shift. And, you know, as a result, he's had a couple injuries in his career, specifically on his knees. Um, and yeah, like you said, the same leg. So, you know, hopefully it's not, you know, too much of a lingering thing, you know, only two weeks sprain MCL. Luckily, he didn't tear anything. Uh, but a big blow for the Leafs, you know, as of now, you, you know, just good top six piece. But, you know, Nick Foligno now in the lineups kind of, you know, filling his role in the time being. And, you know, Zach Hyman's one of those players where you can plug and play, you know, you could place him in a spot and he'll do the exact same thing. Whereas if you were to place him on the first line, he is, so, he's just one of those players that's really fun to follow along with during a game. Exactly. I feel like, you know, most, most play styles in the NHL, you know, like you got a playmaker, you got a sniper, two way forward, you know, I feel like we need to figure out, you know, an, another one, you know, you got the guys like Hyman Gallagher, you know, they play a little bit of everything. So we, we should be able to coin some specific name for these types of players going in the future. Rogers media was, there was actually a huge outage for Rogers media users on Monday. Um, you know, across the, it was either across the province of Ontario or Canada wide. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, William Nylander was late for a meeting, uh, on Monday and, uh, you know, he came to the press conference on Tuesday and said he literally had no idea that there was a meeting. So you could argue, you know, you could speculate that, you know, Nylander could be a possible user, a possible customer of Rogers. And, you know, that in a digital age where, uh, you know, we rely so much on technology, especially in a pandemic, uh, you know, that could be a legit reason why Nylander was late. And maybe he told the coach, which is why, uh, you know, Keith allowed him to play on Tuesday. Yeah, I feel like Keith's the kind of guy who would discipline his players, you know, if they miss a team meeting, but it seemed to be justified because like you said, you know, Rogers was going through issues then. Uh, and yeah, like you said, no accountability for him. He didn't, he didn't get benched or anything and was able to play the same, uh, the next night actually. Patrick Marlowe passed Gordie Howe for all times game or all time games played uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you think about it, every game Marlowe appears in, he's just beating himself. He sets a new all-time record. And that kind of blows my mind because you kind of have to stand back and realize that 
you know, the San Jose Sharks have a, a hall, I guess a Hall of Fame player. I'm not sure, but uh, it'd be weird to see someone who set an NHL record not be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, you have someone who is currently playing, setting, you know, NHL records just by grinding it out, going through the mental grind, especially the season being away from your family. Uh, you know, the mental grind of uh, going through all the protocols, all the safety precautions that the NHL is putting in place for the players to be safe. Yeah, no, 100%. It's a, it's a tough season to get all your games in, uh, just with the protocols and everything. He's luckily been able to get that get out there on the ice for most of the games, you know, and congratulations to him breaking Gordy Howe's record. Uh, you know, just an incredible feat. And Patrick Marlowe has been someone who's been in the league for, you know, even almost 10 years before we were even born. So, you know, just longevity in terms of his career, and we'll see how far he ends up going. Now, I'm not sure if you saw, but uh, Patrick Marlowe got golden gloves uh, for, you know, commemorating, you know, as a celebration. Uh, yeah. And they were actually misspelt. So really? uh, hopefully he got those gloves replaced. And uh, hopefully that person who misspelt them didn't get fired. Uh, mm -hmm. But hopefully, you know, it's, it's a learned lesson, essentially. No, 100%. Just an awkward situation. You know, you'd figure that everyone within that Sharks organization knows how to spell Patrick Moyle's name. McDavid kind of had a goal of the year candidate, in my opinion, uh, you know, against the Habs. He split the D, Jeff Peacher and Joel Edmondson. Uh, the way McDavid, all right, like the way he captures speed in the neutral zone, he only needs two strides and he's gone. Like that's how incredibly fast this guy is. And yeah. which, which amazes me. Uh, he takes two strides literally and is gone, you know, splits the D and uh, scores on Jake Allen. Uh, Price was actually injured in that game and uh, is currently uh, concussed uh, from Alex chase on. And, you know, it's weird uh, because, you know, when Alex chase on interfered, I'm like, yeah, he got the head, but Price played the rest of the period. And the, and when Alex chase on, you know, concussed him, um, you know, it was early on, like that power play uh, happened within like the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, no, it was weird to see him finish the period, but, you know, they went into the locker room and obviously some discomfort. He, you know, just probably told the coach that he wasn't feeling great and they took him out and he hasn't been back on, you know, the ice since. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when Price gets back uh, because, you know, the Habs need him. They're, they're in that tight race. Uh, you know, this come this uh, junior news uh, comes because there were uh, initial reports that the OHL season uh, was getting canceled, but w which we later know uh, did get canceled. But the WHL season uh, is ending their uh, ending their season after 24 games. Uh, there's no playoffs, uh, which you know they had to kind of make a statement because you know the QMJ chose in their playoffs. So uh, you know they just wanted to confirm uh, the news that there wouldn't be any uh, playoffs for the WHL. And uh, it's just unfortunate that, uh, you know, these kids uh, have such a limited showing for scouts. No, 100%. Just a rough year, you know, to be in the junior leagues. And uh, WHL, you know, better than the OHL. They got 24 games, so their players were still able to do something. But, yeah, with no Memorial Cup, you know, no playoffs, it's just a tough season, you know, all around. And on Tuesday, uh, the OHO season uh, did get canceled, and David Branch held a press conference. Uh, you know, I'll just go through, again, what was said. So they came close to, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago uh, to get uh, the government uh, to get a season underway, but they didn't get government approval. 
Uh, Branch was planning on having a four-team hub, uh, have players uh, bubble in hotels. The province used the Leafs and Senators return to play as the standard, but they couldn't afford all of it. So they tried to get government funding because uh, they needed support for testing and you know other measures like that. The yeah. OHL is working on expanded top prospects game for overagers and draft prospects. And Branch is considering expanding the age criteria so overagers could return. The last two points there, I love him. Uh, you know, I, I love how they're trying to get as much OHL action as possible, despite not their, despite not having a season, a confirmed season. And, you know, I think it's great the commissioner is in contact uh, with the uh, government, but it sucks that the players were dragged along so for so long, uh, you know, and they, you know, they were waiting and waiting and waiting and they basically didn't get any word. Like there was no communication between the players and the commissioner and you know this is coming from a guy who you know i interview a lot of ohl players i'm in constant Mm -hmm. contact with them so uh you know it just sucks so much that they didn't really know if there would be a season exactly 100 percent. you know you just got to feel for them because they for the last couple months have just been you know taking everything day by day you know figuring out you know whether or not they can they can have a season even happen you know they've been training hard just being prepared just in case you know any any second now you know the season gets approved um unfortunate that you know they weren't able to get that season but like you said you know i'm happy that you know they're trying to you know get some game action especially that top proc top prospects game it's you know just um just in the ohl specifically but you know the chl usually has like a top prospects game every year and you know people who are you know excited for the draft tune into that just to see see their players play um but you know if if they can do anything this year i think it'll be you know a big win just you know tough with this ontario government uh and i'm glad that they didn't do a season with no fighting though yeah exactly it was uh it was first reported that uh lisa mcleod like the minister of sport uh said that you know we're not going to do any body checking and Mm -hmm. like everyone was hating on her man and you know i thought it was ridiculous that she would come out with that comment uh, mm-hmm. Because literally, we just watched the NHL go through a bubble where there was body checking. And, you know, yeah. just even before the NHL set up the uh, bubble, science proves that, you know, body checking doesn't, you know, get you COVID, right? Yeah, no, 100%. It, it would have been definitely interesting to see, you know, a socially distanced hockey game played. And, you know, guys, some guys, you know, fully rely on their physicality. You know, it's a big part of their game. You know, you got power forwards, you got big, you know, six foot five defensemen. And without body checking, you know, they would have had to adjust. So, you know, un- unfortunate that there's no season. But yeah, it, it was just a tough year all around. Moving on to better news, uh, Spencer Knight made his NHL debut on Tuesday, and he won his debut, made 33 saves on 34 shots. Unfortunately, uh, it's going to be hard to see him getting most of the net behind Bobrovsky and now Drieger, and that's an interesting point with Chris Drieger because who knows, maybe they expose him uh, to Seattle, maybe they do a side deal with Seattle to keep Drieger, but then that would kind of hurt the development of um, you know Spencer Knight, which kind of sucks because... Uh, you want Spencer Knight to get as much action as possible, so maybe you stick him in the AHL for next season. It's a weird situation Florida is in. Yeah, 100%. And I I feel like, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, it's sort of been you draft a goalie and, you know, they don't really see the NHL until they're like, you know, early to mid-20s, you know, 23, maybe being like an ideal age for an NHL debut. But, you know, Carter Hart came in and seemed to be a starter, you know, at age 20 for the 
Philadelphia Flyers. It was kind of a rare situation. And now, you know, Spencer Knight, who people are saying is, you know, the next Carter Hart sort of thing in terms of, you know, top goalie prospect. He's able to come in here, you know, stop 34 or, or stop 33 of 34 shots, you know, just an incredible debut at such a young age. You know, he's got such a bright future, but it is going to make things tough on the Florida GM because they got three really solid goalies there. And on this day in 1969, Bobby Orr scored his first postseason goal. It proved to be the game winner as the Bruins defeated the Canadians 3-2 in game four of the semifinals. Boston would go on to lose the series in six games. And actually, Orr finished his career with 26 playoff goals. And he only scored that one playoff goal during that run in 1969. So, you know, when you think of Bobby Orr, you know, number four, one of the greatest defensemen of all time, to only finish with 26, you know, playoff goals, you know, in total, that's kind of odd. But then you look at the amount of games played, uh, or had during his playoff career. And he was always over point per game. So, you know, greatness uh, is often measure, not measured in statistics, but in how, uh, you know, you, you play. Yeah. Bobby Orr just kind of like, in, in a way, changed the game just because defensemen, you know, weren't being utilized as much as, you know, they are nowadays in terms of the offense. You know, Bobby Orr, you said, able to be a point per game guy in his career sort of thing, just incredible for a defenseman. And like you said, like... 26 playoff goals, it's a little low, but, you know, he's got that one game-winning Stanley Cup uh, overtime goal. I think, you know, that 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 makes them all worth it. Uh, just an incredible, you know, career, Bobby Orr. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, I would love to go to uh, Boston to see a Bruins game and to see his, uh, you know, number in the rafters. Um, you know, and, and actually, I should probably go back on my last point there, saying uh, statistics don't measure greatness, but uh, they actually do. Uh, that's how we kind of measure greatness, I should say. Uh, but what I meant by that is, like, you know, when you first hear 26 playoff goals for, you know, a Hall of Fame defenseman, you know, that doesn't make you go, wow, you have to do mm -hmm. more research, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, just uh, Bobby Orr, one of the greatest defensemen of all time. And to your point there, like, I think that, you know, when Bobby Orr kind of introduced uh, that kind of what that's kind of the new wave, like puck moving defenseman, offensive defenseman kind of started with Bobby Orr. No, exactly. And even now you look at, you know, players now, they'll say they looked up to Bobby Orr, even though he, he didn't even play in their lifetime. Just, you know, such an impactful player on the NHL. The Penguins beat the Devils 7-6. When I say that score, you think, all right, well, it's crazy. Like, you know, every other team scored. The Penguins held a 6-0 lead into the third period. If I showed you the Devils scoring six straight goals, just a screenshot of the Devils scoring six straight goals and the Penguins scoring one goal, you would think the Devils went 6-1. Well, I guess apparently 6-0 leads aren't safe either. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the weird storylines this season. No lead is safe. You have to play a full 60-minute hockey game. And actually, the Penguins become the first team in NHL history to win a game in which they were outscored by five goals in the third period. Like, that's insane. Yeah, no, just an interesting stat. I, I had Tristan Jari in one of my fantasy leagues, and I was happy because, you know, he hadn't let in any goals through two periods, and I thought, you know, I was looking at a good save percentage and a win. You know, he ended up picking up the win, but the save percentage definitely got hurt in that third period. Nolan Foote scored his first NHL goal, and actually Jeff Carter scored his first with the pen. So, you know, it's good to see that two players – uh, you know, one's a rookie, one is an old-time vet. You know, great to see that they're starting to fit in uh, with, you know, their teams respectively. Yeah, you know, Nolan Foote, again, you know, we talked about New Jersey, you know, earlier in terms of a wagon. If Nolan Foote can, you know, be a small, like, you know, 20-goal scorer on that third line for New Jersey moving forward in the future, 
just utilize that shot that he has, you know, another dangerous piece for them. And obviously nice to see Carter get on the board with the fence. New Jersey has been officially eliminated from playoff contention with that loss. Uh, it's the third straight season. They will be, uh, you know, in the draft lottery. So, you know, they got Holtz, Heischer and Hughes, the last couple of drafts, uh, Nolan foot as well. Uh, you know, foot's got a cannon of a shot. So, you know, it seems as though that New Jersey, right. They're building a core, they're building a foundation. And I really like where they're headed. No, exactly. I, I think with New Jersey, they pretty much have everything you need looking into the future. I think they have a number one center, you know, whether it be he, or Hughes, you know, either one of them, that's a good one, two punch. You know, you got potentially a number one defenseman for the future in Ty Smith. He's, he's had an okay rookie season. You could even look at looking to look to draft, you know, a defenseman this year. And then they have their starter figured out, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood, he's young as well. So New Jersey, if they play their cards right, you know, they can, they can have a very successful team for a very long time, just like they did, you know, in the Brodeur era. Vancouver beat Toronto 6-3 and make a save, Dave. Uh, you know, Dave Riddick didn't have the best performance of his career. Uh, you know, it seemed as though his positioning was off during the whole game. He was just off, you know, something about him. Uh, but, you know, an interesting stat, actually. The Canucks earned uh, their 69th all-time win over the Leafs uh, on 420 with a guy named Highmore in the lineup. So that's a very nice stat to share. Uh, you know, just give some perspective on how important that was uh, for the Canucks to win the game. Yes, I'm sure they went back into the locker room and Travis Green, you know, their coach pointed out all those points to them. But yeah, very nice stat indeed. I uh, know, but all uh, kidding aside, um, you know, that that's huge for Vancouver's uh, playoff chances. You know, they have, mm. I think, like five or seven games in hand uh, yeah. between like Montreal and Calgary. And for Vancouver and the way that they're playing, it's very surprising to me. Uh, I, I just think the playoffs are out of sight for them. You know, they have to go on a very uh, inhumane run, essentially. Like they have to play like they're aliens. Be, you know, fatigue's going to certainly set in sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, they just don't have the roster to go on the incredible run that they have to. Exactly. You know, and, and they've been coming out hot, you know, surprisingly, you know, the teams who have gone, you know, in a complete shutdown for COVID-19, you know, Buffalo and New Jersey had to do it earlier this year and they kind of struggled when they came back. Whereas, you know, Vancouver is looking like a better team, you know, even without Pedersen and, you know, a couple other guys, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can make the playoffs because, you know, they do have those games in hand, but what are they going to do with those games in hand? You know, it's, it's only hypothetical at this point in time, and we'll see how they do, you know, in the coming weeks. You can only win, uh, you know, we can only brag about games in hand unless, uh, you know, until they result in wins. No, exactly. You know, you can look at games in hand, but, you know, nothing's guaranteed. Moving on to Wednesday's notes, uh, John Merrill made his uh, Habs debut, replacing Brett Kulak on the point. Uh, and, you know, my thought to this point is I wonder if the Habs will rotate Brett Kulak, Eric Gustafson and John Merrill, uh, you know, down the stretch to keep bodies fresh because of how, uh, you know, tough the schedule is for Montreal and, you know, more so to get a look at different players in different situations. You know, that's what Winnipeg is doing with their defense. Uh, Paul Maurice said that, yeah, we're going to insert, uh, you know, Tucker Pullman, for example, or Logan Stanley to see how he matches up against Matthews or Nylander or, you know, someone on Edmonton, right? And I think that's a great coaching style. You know, you're getting uh, great info. You're getting great evaluation uh, ahead of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at these three defensemen, you know, they can all kind of play different roles. You know, Gustafson is very offensive. You know, Merrill's very defensive and Kulak's a bit of both. He's a good puck mover. And yeah, like you mentioned, just keeping bodies fresh can be good as well. But, 
you know, also just dependent on your matchup. You know, if you're facing a team with a very high powered offense, maybe you want to get Merrill in there, you know, just add a little more, a little more defensive depth. But, you know, if you're playing a team where you have confidence in your offense, maybe boost it a little more by putting Augustusson or Kulak in the lineup. Robin Leonard criticized uh, the NHL on Wednesday saying that they weren't holding up their promises. They didn't give, uh, you know, the vaccinated teams and players what they had promised. So uh, I'll just go through uh, the press conference. So, you know, he said that we were shown the NBA protocols, uh, you know, to get back to some type of normalcy. COVID is dangerous. It's been a crazy thing for everyone, but we were approached and promised the same things uh, to change for our league if we got vaccinated and to be promised something's going to change to take a vaccine where some people some players are were on the verge of even taking it I was one of them that wasn't sure but I took it for my mental health and we and when we did it now they change now they said it's not happening they told me yesterday as in Tuesday they're surveying all the teams to see who has taken the vaccine and who has not taken the vaccines and they're not going to change the rules for us as players until all the teams have vaccines at the same time. So it's not a competitive edge. I know more than a lot of people uh, know what's going on. And they're talking about competitive edge instead of human lives, competitive edge, human lives. We're humans too. So there's a twofold problem for me here. The first one is we get promised something to take that not necessarily everyone wants. So that, so that was a lie, blatant lie. Second, to put competitive edge over human lives. I've tried to figure out a way for me to perform as well as possible to, uh, to be, which I've done. Doesn't mean I have been doing good personally. I'm not perfect. It's been hard. But I'm not just talking about myself here. It's for everyone. We are vaccinated and we are still trapped in a prison. However, uh, Leonard did go on Twitter to say, uh, you know, to apologize for his pr uh, prison comment. Uh, you know, he was visibly frustrated with the current circumstances of the NHL during his press conference and what they told the players. Uh, he mentioned how it feels like a prison because uh, you can't be with your teammates, uh, you know, hotel and back from the practice rink when you're on the road. You can't really go outside your home uh, when you are playing at home. Uh, and, you know, you have to have meals delivered to you on a constant basis. So, you know, Robin Leonard has been uh, advocating for mental health all of his life. And I love it. You know, I think uh, it's great. Uh, Leonard spoke out about the NHL. And, uh, you know, I hope that the NHL does live up to their promises. Uh, you know, this is just something that's so bad that, uh, you know, it sucks to see, uh, you know, the NHL and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Definitely not a good look for the league. You know, he's coming out and very frustrated. And, you know, it's, it's all it's all it all makes sense. You know, it's not like he's, you know, frustrated for no reason. He's he's saying, you know, actual facts that, you know, are taking place and, you know, making the NHL not look very good. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, Robin Leonard has just been an advocate for mental health, you know, in his whole career. And I think that's, you know, such a positive thing to have in the league, you know, in this day and age, um, just because, you know, players' mental health is, is super important. You know, 20, 25 years ago, it, it wasn't even talked about. And, you know, a lot of players, you know, especially, you know, the enforcer types, you know, once they retire from the NHL, they, they struggle a lot, you know, in terms of mental health and it's hard. So I feel like if you have a player that's currently in the league, you know, talking about his difficulties, you know, it's just really good. You know, the fans can kind of just see, you know, into the lives of these NHL players and not really viewing them as, you know, these sort of players on their TV screens, but, you know, actual humans. The Women's World Championship got canceled for the second straight year. Uh, you know, the IOC and Hockey Canada are looking at summer dates 
to host the tournament uh, simply because this tournament for women's is very important, not only for the game, uh, not only for the, uh, well, you know, for the game to, you know, expand it, to grow it uh, for the, it's very important for that aspect. It's very important for the athletes uh, to get them into game shape as well, but it's also very important for the road to the Olympics. Uh, you know, this women's world championship is regarded as uh, kind of, I guess, the setup, the tune-up uh, to the Olympics. You know, you get information about how so, so, so-and-so is playing. Uh, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, we see the tournament get rescheduled. Um, and actually, it got canceled uh, at the very last minute. You know, on uh, Tuesday, it was announced that Nova Scotia was still okay, uh, you know, going ahead with the tournament. And, you know, players were quarantining. Uh, you had to quarantine for like eight days, I think, uh, to be eligible to play. And next thing you know, 24 hours later, it, it got canceled. So, you know, I think this is uh, on Nova Scotia for not uh, communicating with, uh, you know, the higher ups such as IOC, the IOC in Hockey Canada, as well with the players. Yeah, I'm surprised that there was a tournament, you know, being planned to be held within Canada. Obviously, you know, the World Juniors were in Edmonton, but, you know, it seems like if you're going to look for a bubble, it's going to be in the States just because, you know, less strict in terms of, you know, people coming in. Uh, yeah, just just super unfortunate. Like you mentioned, you know, it, it's tune up for them, you know, just to get a little bit of a read on, you know, teams going to the Olympics, you know, an Olympic medal means a little more than a world championship. So to be able to get that, you know, little bit of background knowledge going in, it's important. But yeah, I, I feel bad for all these ladies. And just in terms of growing the game, it's just definitely hard for, I can imagine, you know, how young girls would think, you know, seeing all these, you know, the NHL running smoothly, not smoothly, but, you know, there's NHL games every night and, you know, the women's, you know, struggling to, you know, even get out there. Patrick Marlowe recorded 900 straight games. Uh, you know, one of the Ironman streaks in the NHL, and he actually became the fourth player to skate in 900 straight games. Uh, you know, so I'll go down the list actually of the top five for the Ironman streak. So Doug Jarvis is first. He's at 964. Recently, Keith Yandel uh, eclipsed second place, passing Gary Unger. Keith Yandel has played in 915 straight games. Gary Unger played in 914 straight games. And Patrick Marlowe played in 901 straight games. So top four right there. Phil Kessel is actually top uh, five. He rounds up the top five at 892. So, you know, just another milestone in Patrick Marlowe's healthy career. Yeah, exactly. You don't make it to the top of the NHL's all-time list without having a huge Ironman streak. You know, just a very durable guy. You know, you don't really think of Patrick Marlowe being, you know, injury-prone or anything, and it proves it there. You know, just 900 straight games. You know, people, people, I feel like, don't realize how how incredible that really is. Just, you know, guys, you know, will take, take a game off. You know, Matthews, you see it. He'll have a, you know, something lingering with his wrist and take a couple games off just to see if it feels better. But, you know, Marlowe's not that kind of guy. He's going to get out there on the ice, you know, at all costs. You know, the GMs had a meeting on Wednesday and they shared a helpful target date uh, for puck drop, which is October 12th. And that's kind of a date that, uh, you know, us hockey fans uh, are kind of used to having, uh, you know, the NHL season start in early October. So, you know, as we continue on, as vaccines keep rolling out, uh, you know, it looks better and better as the days go on uh, that, you know, the NHL will start in October. And I'm super happy about that. Yeah, exactly. You know, a big worry for me in terms of the pandemic and, you know, the cancellation of all the sports leagues was, you know, how long was it going to take for the sports leagues to be able to, you know, adjust their schedules to get back to normal? You know, the NBA and NHL 
started, you know, in different months this year, the NHL starting in January, you know, typically starts, you know, unless it's a lockout, like you said, in October. So it's, it's really nice to see that this is the target date. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a hopeful target date at this point in time, you know, we don't know for sure. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's just good in terms of, you know, making, making it back to that normal life that we all miss. The Golden Knights are a cheat code. Uh, you know, they clinched a playoff spot for the fourth straight season. They joined the following three teams to make the playoffs in each of their four, uh, first four seasons. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers from 1980 to 92. The New York Rangers from 1927 to uh, 1935. The St. Louis Blues from 1968 to 1973. Uh, you know, that's crazy for an expansion team. Not only did they set, um, you know, the record during their expansion year for like furthest uh, expansion team uh, to make it in the regular season, uh, you know, in the season, the playoffs, but they also set this record. So, uh, you know, it, it's crazy just how good, uh, you know, George McPhee has done. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon, you know, those guys have built a foundation, right? They've built a team that's going to be substantially a playoff contender for years to come. No, 100%. I, I feel like the strategy for an expansion team coming in is just to try to get as many, you know, draft, you know, as much draft capital as you can, because I feel like, you know, a lot of teams try to build through the draft. And, you know, Vegas did that, you know, when they first came into the league, you know, they were trading, they were getting first round picks for, you know, protecting specific players in the expansion draft, you know, doing well at that. Um, and they were able to still get a solid team. And then when they had all those assets, they were able to go out and trade for pieces like a Max Pacioretty, like a Mark Stone. So like you said, just a really well-built team. And I feel like Vegas is just, you know, four straight season. And, you know, it's going to be hard to see, you know, when that, when that streak dies, you know, maybe, maybe they can beat the Oilers and, you know, hold the record. Kirill Kaprizov set the wild, the Minnesota wild franchise record for rookie goals with 19, um, you know, and this is in a contract year. Like, I, I didn't even realize that, that he was in a contract year. Um, so he's going to get paid handsomely because uh, he's literally making the Minnesota Wild relevant again. You know, a single player making your franchise relevant again, you might want to give him the bag. You know, you might want to pay him, like, I'm thinking he's going to get, like, six, six and, six and a half mil. Like, he's probably going to set the RFA market, which is going to be rich. Um, you know, and yeah, like he's said, he's been this incredible player for the wild, an incredible player to watch, uh, just to flip on the wild. Like, yeah, you know, for me, I probably didn't care about the wild games, uh, last yeah. year. Now, mm -hmm. like I find myself watching more wild games than ever. Yeah, no, exactly. And you and I talked about this in the middle of the week, you know, Kaprizov just, you know, not single-handedly, you know, other players on Minnesota, you know, deserve their credit as well, but you know, just, just to be sort of a face of a franchise that Minnesota really hasn't really had, you know, they, they've had faces of their franchise before, but never like, you know, a skilled, you know, potential superstar like Kaprizov is. And uh, interesting point you bring up with it being a contract year, whether or not, you know, Minnesota maybe signs into like a, maybe a two-year bridge deal to see, you know, if he really is legit. But, you know, from what we've seen, I think, you know, he's legit and, you know, maybe, maybe locking him up long-term would be the smart move for the Wild. Or, you know, just based on the contract that we've been discussing, like maybe since, you know, there's like the, the cap space is so low because of the pandemic, um, maybe they do bridge them just because like, you know, the wild, uh, you know, front office is looking all right. So the cap floor or the cap, uh, you know, is not probably going to go up 
all that much because uh, teams aren't getting much in uh, yeah. to their respective, uh, you know, banks essentially. And, you know, with the cap not going up, that means that, you know, you're basically going to have a flat cap, which has been discussed for the next four seasons. So I wonder if Kaprizov and the Wild can do some sort of agreement where it's like, all right, so you're going to have to take a, you know, a paycheck or a pay cut, uh, essentially, until we can give you, you know, your big boy contract. Yeah, 100%. And and it's going to be interesting for Minnesota as well, because they have a lot of money, you know, locked up to specific guys, you know, Parise and Ryan Suter obviously signed those big deals when they came over to Minnesota and then a guy like Jared Spurgeon, he's also locked up for the next, you know, six or seven years. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract he ends up getting. On Thursday, uh, on this day, Thursday, uh, 1976, Daryl Settler scored five goals against the Flyers, tying an NHL record for most goals in one playoff game. And if there was one player on the Leafs that I can think that can tie the record, uh, tie Daryl Settler right there, it's Austin Matthews. Uh, you know, the guy's got a rocket of a shot. And the way he disguises the shot, right? He changes his shot release, his shot point. You know, maybe he's doing a snapshot. Maybe he's curling, dragging the shot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the guy is, can really, you know, do, I think he can really score five goals in one game. No, hundred percent. We saw him score four in his first career game and, you know, only three hat tricks in his career, uh, you know, I, kind of king of the two goal games. But, you know, if I had to bet on anyone, I think Matthews would be my choice as well. I just think, you know, he's incredibly gifted with the puck and he, he just makes it look so easy. You know, when players come to the NHL, it, there's a little bit of a transition in terms of, you know, the NHL goalies and difference between junior, but, you know, he, he, make, he makes NHL goalies look like junior goalies. He's just that incredible. Tyler Bertuzzi and Franz Nielsen are out for the rest of the season for the Red Wings. Uh, you know, I think we'll see more uh, news of teams outside of the playoff race announce that players aren't returning simply because the games are meaningless. And actually it was announced Friday that Dylan Larkin was out for the season. So, you know, in fantasy news, you made a nice trade there. Uh, getting rid of Larkin since he didn't have to deal with that mess. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I I didn't know you, you you were telling me for the first time. Somehow I didn't, it, the news didn't get to me that Larkin was out for the rest of the season. Um, but Detroit, you know, what are they going to do for the rest of the year now? You know, only a couple pieces. You know, is Jacob Vrana going to be able to score four goals every night? Who knows? I uh, you know, hopefully that. Uh, Maybe he, maybe, I mean, maybe I won't, I, maybe I, who knows? Cause it's the NHL. We, you know, weird things have happened every night. Yeah. He, he's their entire offense. You know, him and him, him and Phillips Zadina are going to carry, carry the whole team. I heard Joe Valeno's actually coming up. So, you know, that's another prospect that Red Wing fans should be happy about. No, exactly. You, you know, when the season, when the season's, you know, out of the way, it doesn't really matter if the games are wins or losses anymore. I feel like, you know, the, the focus should be shifted towards, you know, getting, getting young guys in the lineup, you know, prioritizing them over a, a veteran kind of guy, just, you know, looking to the, looking towards the future. Jack Quinn is having season ending surgery on a lower body injury. Uh, he's been playing through this uh, injury since, uh, you know, the tryout camp started ahead of the world juniors. And, you know, my thoughts on this were that Jack Quinn was going to get a shot uh, for the Sabres this season, but you know, that's obviously going to have to wait. Maybe they stick him down in the AHL for one like complete season uh, before calling him up. But, you know, obviously you don't want to ruin his development. 
Yeah, Jack Quinn, you know, he was kind of a shocking pick for a lot of a lot of fans just because, you know, they had guys like Cole Perfetti still on the board, uh, Marco Rossi as well. I feel like a lot of people expected Buffalo to take him, but they went, you know, with Jack Quinn, who's more of like a traditional sniper kind of guy. And, you know, as as a someone who comes from a Sabres household, I'm definitely hoping that Jack Quinn, you know, has a, uh, has a good surgery and, you know, can come back and be that, you know, top six forward that the Sabres drafted him to be. The Avalanche returned on Thursday night from their uh, small COVID outbreak, which postponed three of their games. And actually the first game that they get back, they clinch the playoffs. Uh, you know, just a superb team that Joe Sackick has built. Uh, you know, definitely a cup contender. But, you know, it's weird because we've been saying that Colorado's been a cup contender for around three years now, uh, ever since Kale McCarr got into the league. So hopefully that this year they can take that next step and, you know, be in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they got Grubauer out now for COVID and uh, Rantanen as well. I'm not sure if it's COVID or injury reasons, but, you know, out. So hopefully they can get, you know, the the full lineup back healthy for the playoffs because, you know, this team is, you know, poised to go on a deep run for sure. And, you know, it, it, you, you got to be right because, like, Colorado, right, they were out uh, with, uh, you know, their two goalies, right, that got injured, and that's why they picked up Dubnik. So, uh, you know, hopefully that – uh, you know, Grubauer does come back healthy and, you know, better than ever. Yeah, 100%. I feel like, you know, good goaltending is, you know, what separates the Avalanche from, you know, a second, third round exit to, you know, winning the Stanley Cup. Nick Foligno made his Leafs debut and actually assisted on the uh, Marner empty net goal. So, you know, it's good that he got his assist. I thought he looked really well. Uh, he played really well with the Matthews and Marner line. Mm, he seems to be fitting in super well. You know, they, they've tried a couple, you know, weird guys on that top line. You know, Joe Thornton to start the season, you know, was he going to be able to keep up with them speed-wise? Maybe not. Wayne Simmons as well. And, you know, Hyman's been the best piece for them. But, you know, as we talked before, he, he's hurt right now. So Nick Foligno, whether he stays in that spot when Hyman comes back or, you know, gets moved down to another line, I feel like, you know, he's just fitting in really well with the Leafs so far. And, you know, just on that Joe Thorne uh, piece right there, uh, point you made, I, I, I really feel for the guy because it seems as though this is his last season. Like, you know, him and Eric Stahl, uh, personally for the Habs, uh, it seems as though they can't stick up, they can't get the speed under them anymore. You know, it just sucks. No, 100%. I feel like speed is, you know, such a big part of the game now that, you know, these veterans, you know, when they get, old and, and to the end of the career, they're, they're just super ineffective. You know, you look at a guy like Rick Nash, he went from being, you know, an all-star player to, you know, retired within a couple of seasons, obviously, you know, he, he had injury issues, but he definitely wasn't the same player, you know, just because the league was getting a lot faster and he was more of your, you know, traditional power forward type. Minnesota extended Ryan Hartman uh, for a three-year 1.7 mil contract. Uh, you know, I think this, like, maybe three years is the right uh, contract length. Maybe that's what the Wild are looking at for Kaprizov. I don't know, but uh, this is just one of the, uh, I, I think it was an RFA that comes off the books for the Wild. Yeah, you know, I think it's a solid contract. You know, Ryan Hartman, he's he's been up and down in his career. You know, he's had a couple good good seasons. Uh, he was solid with Chicago, ended up getting traded at the deadline for first-round pick to Nashville. Uh, never really did anything in Nashville, but he seems to, you know, be a solid, you know, middle six forward for the Wild and a good piece moving forward that they got him for three years at a relatively cheap price. Jacob Vrana obviously mentioned the four goal game. That was his second career hat trick and actually first career four goal game. And, uh, you know, I didn't see it coming from him, actually. And, you know, I thankfully, you know, he did get traded to Detroit. So he's, you know, getting the ice time to show off his skills. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think Detroit was the perfect destination for him just because, you know, when you're in Washington, you're always going to be behind a guy like OV Backstrom, you know, no matter how you're playing, just because, you know, those guys are legends, you know, Hall of Famers, it's going to be tough to, you know, take away from their minutes. But Detroit has nothing but minutes to give to Jacob Verona. And, you know, he's doing the best with them, you know, able to pop four goals in this game, just, you know, really exciting and making Steve, uh, Steve Eiserman look, you know, pretty smart. The Blue Jackets did get eliminated from playoff contention on Thursday night. So they'll be in the draft lottery. Uh, you know, it, I they did a really good job of selling off their assets, I thought. Uh, you know, and they obviously thought that, uh, you know, they wouldn't be making the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it's good to see that David Savard is with Tampa and, you know, he'll make a good run. Um, yeah, you know, just uh, just some news there. Yeah, it it's making me think, you know, obviously they, they've been able to do stuff with not a lot of talent on their roster with, you know, John Tortorella as the coach. But, you know, they have a lot of talent in terms of, you know, a guy like Patrick Laine, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, maybe, maybe a head coaching change to move on to the future. Because as of now, I feel like with this playing style, you know, the Blue Jackets, you know, their ceiling's only so high for how good they can do. I don't see them as, you know, a cup contender, you know, or anywhere close to it. So, you know, maybe towards this time in uh, Columbus could be looking at, you know, could be the end. Uh, Uko Pekalukinen, UPL, uh, made his NHL debut on Saturday, and he actually won uh, his first career game. Sam Reinhardt with his fourth career hat trick. Uh, you know, I watched him uh, play when uh, Subri was in Hamilton, and, man, the guy's a stud of a goalie. Uh, you know, that's obviously back in junior. What do I know about his NHL? Uh, you know, I can only watch it from a TV screen. So hopefully he continues, uh, you know, this confidence that he has going for him. Yeah, it was a really interesting game. I think he let in his second shot. So he saved the first, let in the second, uh, and then was actually able to rattle off a bunch of saves in a row. You know, the Sabres got a 5-1 lead over the Bruins somehow. You know, Sabres being up 5-1 on the Bruins in that third period. And, you know, they had a good enough cushion. You know, even though he let in a couple goals in that third, he was still able to come away with the win. Zach Bogosian is out four weeks with a shoulder injury. He kind of toe-picked himself. He lost an edge as he went into the boards against Vancouver. Uh, you know, he might miss one game one or two of the playoffs because, uh, you know, four weeks, I'm just thinking like, yeah, okay, so he's going to miss, you know, the rest of this month, you know, basically the rest of May. So maybe he might be back for game one because, uh, you know, the Canucks and Flames still have to play uh, four times. And I think those four games are scheduled for after everyone else is finished. So, you know, I th- maybe he recovers uh, quickly enough. I don't know. But hopefully uh, Bogosian is in the lineup sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. It, you look at Bogosian and what he brings to that Toronto team, essentially, is just experience. You know, he, he won the Cup with Tampa last year and just kind of like knows just from last year, you know, specifically what, what it takes, you know, from a team to make that deep run. So, you know, a little bit of a blow, but it's going to allow a guy like Rasmus Sandin to get these, you know, top six minutes for the rest of the regular season and could be a good thing for the Leafs. The GMs discussed whether the league should stick with divisional playoffs for the first two rounds or go back to the old conference format. Uh, You know, I think this is for this year's playoffs. Uh, So last year, the format was mostly divisional. The top three teams in each division qualify, then the next two teams in the conference with the best records. Uh, The idea is being floated now uh, is for divisional only playoffs. So you could either have the top four teams get in or could expand it to five and have the uh, teams that are ranked four and five to play in a best of three playing series. So I think that kind of relates to the NBA and what they're doing with the nine and 10 seed. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the winner playing the top seed in that division. Uh, so the division only playoffs can lead to an 84 game schedule that keeps a high number of divisional games. So there's two. So this was tweeted out by Gord Miller, I should say. Uh, two versus other conference uh, homer away. So that's 32 games. Two versus other division homer away, which is 16 games. Five versus own division, which is 35 games. And one additional game versus uh, a team in your own division, which is your biggest rival. Uh, in exchange for an 84-game uh, schedule, the players would get a shortened training camp, which is two weeks plus a max of a four-game preseason. Uh, you know, as we so to that last point there, as we saw, uh, you know, at the beginning of this 56-game, uh, you know, schedule with the Leafs and Habs kicking it off, I think the players need as much training camp as possible. So I don't really like the idea of them getting a shortened training camp. Uh, you know, I want them to get as many preseason games as possible because, uh, you know, the quality of hockey I want to watch is fast, hard hitting, lots of goal scoring, uh, you know, kind of like play, I, I, you know, a bit of playoff hockey, I guess you could say. But, you know, the start of this year's Leafs and Habs, uh, you know, kicking off the season was just atrocious. Yeah, no, 100%. We, we look at the NFL, they expanded to 17 games and, you know, they're shortening their preseason. We'll see how that affects them in terms of, you know, their week one performance. And, you know, I, I just have to agree with you here. I feel like, you know, training camp uh, and the preseason, we, we maybe might not have realized it until this season, how important it is just in terms of, you know, getting players into shape and, you know, even building, you know, chemistry before the season actually starts. Uh, yeah, that Leafs have game was a little slow, uh, you know, for, for a, you know, premier opening night game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. In terms of the divisional play, I, I feel like I like it to an extent, you know, just it creates, you know, every game means that much more uh, just because, you know, you're playing within your own division. Uh, but, you know, I, I like seeing every team play every other team. You know, it's, it's just nice to, you know, see the Oilers, you know, play an Eastern Conference team and, you know, not the same, you know, six or seven teams, you know, the whole season. Yeah, I'm tired of the Canadian division. I'm bored of it. Like, I, I just want this done. I want it done. I want the Habs to play the Kings. I want the Habs to play the Sharks. You know, the Habs haven't be, haven't beaten the Sharks in the Shark Tank since 1999 or however long it's been. I want that streak to be done. Uh, you know, I, I like, you know, the Leafs would use Boston, for example, as a measuring stick game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and now you're using the same opponent as a measuring stick game for six other times, like that's kind of ridiculous to me. Um, so, you know, I think the players are tired of it. Uh, I'm tired of it. So hopefully we get to uh, back to the Atlantic, uh, you know, sooner than later. Like I want next year. Yeah, no. I th- and I think that's what the NHL is targeting for. It's just because of the, you know, border crossing, uh, you know, rules that were in, in place, you know, by the governments, it was just going to be tough to have, you know, Canadian teams playing American teams. And, you know, the Canadian division was fun at first, like given the first month, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. Now we're five months away from that. My, you know, my opinion has changed. I want it done. I want, you know, I can't wait till the third round, like the third round, I'm going to have my popcorn out with me. The first two rounds, I won't even bother making popcorn because I know how those two teams play. I want the third, like the third round, that's when the, you know, we expand into other teams. That one has me at edge of the seat, edge of the couch. You know, I'm on Twitter tweeting about my thoughts because I like that one's going to have me glued to my screen. No, 100%. You know, within the first two rounds of these playoffs, these are going to be matchups of teams who have played each other, you know, eight eight to ten times already this season. So I, I, I do think it's crazy or not eight to ten, nine to ten. Uh, but yeah, and once we get into those later rounds, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a crapshoot just in terms of, you know, comparing the teams towards each other. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun playoff once we get that late, though, for sure. 
Because I wonder how the announcers, uh, you know, will organize their notes. Like, will they go back to last year's meeting? Like, maybe mm-hmm. last year's playoff meeting? I don't know. Because, yeah. you know, they certainly can't uh, work off anything between the two teams this season because they've never played each other. Yeah, exactly. And then if you look at a team, you know, some some of these teams haven't played each other in, you know, over a year. So they're going to be unfamiliar with, you know, the way that the team plays, you know, maybe they have a new coach, maybe they have new lines. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, how they prepare for, you know, series against teams outside their division. The Florida Panthers are looking to raise their capacity to 47%. Uh, you know, they're at 25% right now and they could get a full building if Florida advances far in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, like we mentioned with Dallas, I I'm loving the NHL and seeing fans back into the arena. Cause really, uh, you know, th- I'm hating the injected crowd noise. Like, you know, I miss seeing the Bell Center packed. I miss seeing the ACC. I know it's the Scotiabank Arena. I don't care. All right. I'm calling it the ACC. Cancel me. I don't care. Um, but yeah, I-, I miss the ACC game packed. I miss the Bell MTS place game packed. Uh, you know, Rogers place when McDavid scores an outrageous goal. Uh, you know, that is packed. Uh, you know, I miss everything about the fans here in Canada. I'm so glad the U.S. is having success, though. No, 100 percent. And and with Florida, you just got to think it's super unfortunate that this had to be the year that, you know, they broke out and, you know, ended up being a top team in the league just because, you know, they've, they've had trouble within the last 10 years, you know, 10, 15 years getting fans into the building. And, you know, nothing's going to ha- help that more than, you know, a successful team out there on the ice. So, you know, it, hopefully Florida can get more fans in the rink just because, you know, when you think of Florida and their fans, it there's a little bit of, you know, you don't think they get too many people in the building when you think of Florida and their fans, you know, you, you have to go all the way back to their cup run in, you know, 94, uh, you know, when they lost, but you know, the rats getting thrown on the ice. That's, that's the only, you know, fan intera- interaction I can think of Florida having. So, you know, hopefully with this team, you know, hopefully they can go on a deep run and, you know, have, have fans along their side. And, you know, to your point there, uh, this kind of makes me feel like the Buffalo Bills, although the Buffalo Bills sell out every game that they host, uh, you know, this season was incredible for them. You know, they won the AFC East. Uh, they see, you know, Josh Allen setting franchise records, you know, being tying basically, uh, you know, records that were set by, um, what's his name, Jim Kelly. Uh, and, you know, being, you know, the Buffalo fans couldn't be at the games for, you know, the yeah. whole 16 game regular season. So that's just how I feel, how, how I feel about it, just to put into perspective that, you know, this kind of makes me feel, this, there's some relation between the Bills and the Panthers. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I feel like next season, if the NFL is targeting at having full capacity week one, uh, if, if the Bills do have a home game to start the season, you know, it's going to be loud just because, you know, the fans, they, they weren't able to be there all last season except for, you know, the two playoff games against the Colts and the Ravens. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be allowed. It's going to be allowed. I, I'm not sure what to call the stadium. I, I want to say Ralph Wilson, just like you with the ACC there. You know, it's just it's just what it is to me. Well, I well to me right now I'll I'll pay tribute to the Ralph Wilson, but now it's Bill Stadium because right now Bill Stadium has had the best performance in Bill's history true. in the last fifteen years. That's true. No, hundred percent. Getting back into the NHL news, there uh, Kirill Kaprizov set the rookie record for most power play goals in a season with seven. Uh, he also has six goals against the uh, LA Kings this season, which is tied for second most goals by a rookie against LA in NHL history. So you know, like we've been mentioning, this guy is going to make bank. I cannot wait to see what his contract is. Yeah, and to mention, you know, just to go alongside the power play goal point, you know, Minnesota struggled at the start of the year with the power play, but. 
I feel like as they've gotten more confidence just with Kaprizov in the lineup, they've been able to, you know, have more success. And they actually, I think, had have the number one power play in the NHL over the last month. And, you know, I must agree with that there. Uh, you know, it seemed as though they were almost getting joked. Like, oh, you know, uh, let's send the wild to the power play because it's going to kill off their momentum, right? It's almost like a two-minute penalty kill if you look at it in that sense. Yeah, you know, I feel like a power play, you know, they design plays for specific players to be in opportunities to get that chance. And at the start of the year with Minnesota, it kind of just seemed like it was five guys out there on the ice, you know, seeing if they could create anything. But, you know, now now they, they have specific plays drawn up uh, you know, and, and seems to be working for him. Well, I mean, I can tell you this, that Minnesota is actually 10th last. Uh, that's a huge improvement. They're at 18.6. So they're 10th last in the NHL. Uh, you know, way way- it was like, it's like, it was 40% or something. Cause I was watching the wild game on Saturday night and it said like 40% in the month of April, which is just crazy. Yeah, exactly. And like they were at 4%, let's say like a couple months ago, they were yes. so bad, like horrendous. Mm-hmm. No, big, big season turnaround. And, you know, they were winning games even when the power play wasn't working. And, you know, now that the power play is working, you look at Minnesota, they just clinched playoffs the other day. Just, uh, you know, incredible season for them. And I don't think a lot of people were expecting it. And, you know, Minnesota is one of those teams where they find ways to win. They are a dangerous team. I'm like, I think I'm taking Minnesota over anyone in the West Division. I'm, I, you know, that's a bold take right there. It's a seven game but, series. Yeah, it's a seven game series. Anything can happen. You know, uh, it's that's just how crazy sports are. And I think uh, the Wild, you know, they clinched the playoffs on Saturday, uh, you know, and I think, they, you know, with them not having success, but still winning games, they have the goaltending and Talbot and Kakinen. So if one thing goes wrong with Kakinen, you throw in Talbot and you still have the same confidence. No, 100%. You know, there's there's teams like Minnesota and Florida specifically for me. It's just, you know, we haven't really seen them with these sort of teams in the playoffs, and I'm excited to see them get in there. On Saturday, uh, you know, Zidane Charo reached 1,600 career games. He's the fifth defenseman in NHL history to reach that mark. Uh, you know, that's huge for him. He's definitely going into the Hall of Fame with his, uh, you know, Stanley Cup. And hopefully, uh, you know, with him in Washington, they make a deep playoff run. Yeah, it could be interesting, you know, with players... Uh, with some players, you know, Rajon Rondo won a, this is NBA, but Rajon Rondo won a, you know, he won a title with the Boston Celtics early in his career and then uh, didn't take, it took him a while and then he won the NBA championship last year with the Lakers. You know, Zidane Char could be that situation as well, you know, won one with Boston and, you know, late in his career, you know, winning one with Washington, uh, second for Ovi, second for Chara. I think, you know, a lot of fans could get behind Washington this season. Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, recorded his 16th consecutive point-per-game season. He trails only Gretzky and Howe for total point-per-game seasons in NHL history. Uh, Wayne Gretzky had 19, so, you know, maybe, I think Gretzky, or sorry, Crosby actually tied Howe, uh, I should say, but maybe Crosby does pass Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, you know, I think Crosby, to say he plays another four years, I think is definitely realistic. And, you know, he just has such an impact on the ice and, you know, knows where his knows where his line mates are and then can score for himself as well. So to see him be, you know, 19, 20 consecutive years, it's definitely not out of his reach. We had a couple of Toronto Maple Leaf milestones on Saturday. Joe Thorne became the oldest Toronto Maple Leaf player to score a goal at 41 years old. Mitch Marner scored his 100th career goal as a Maple Leaf. He became the 59th player in Leafs franchise history to score 100 goals with that team. Uh, You know, it's great to see Marner getting those accomplishments on his young career. Uh, You know, Joe Thornton, he's setting the bar, uh, you know, with... 
being scoring at 41 years old. So, and actually, yeah, so he, I think he scored, uh, you know, I think it was actually given to Jason Spezza, but then he scored the wraparound goal there. So, uh, you know, great to see Joel Thorne, uh, you know, still be in the record books. No, hundred percent. And, you know, even, even though he's only going to probably have one year in Toronto, like you mentioned, you think he's going to retire after this year. Uh, yeah. You know, to get a record in the record book, just to be a part of Leafs history. Anthony Mantha is still staying hot. He recorded his 200th career point on an assist for TJ Oshie's goal. Uh, you know, I think Mantha is a great acquisition by Washington, again, to solidify their top six, solidify their power play two unit. Uh, and I can't wait to see what they do in the playoffs. No, I agree. And people look at the trade, you know, Detroit getting Vrana and uh, Washington getting Mantha. I feel like Mantha, you know, just fits into Washington's top six a lot better than Vrana did, just because Vrana kind of provides the role of, you know, just a goal scorer kind of guy, whereas Mantha, you know, he has that power forward role, but, you know, he can score as well, dish it out. And yeah, it's going to be nice to see him in the playoffs for sure, just because he's been in Detroit his whole career. Uh, You know, he might have gotten in early in his career, but like, you know, on one of the last years of that 25-year streak. But, um, you know, he, he hasn't been on a team this good in, in his whole career. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, Elias Pedersen is quite doubtful to return for the Canucks. So that's a big blow to their top six. But they've been doing this for a couple of months now. But, you know, it came out saying that he, he'll probably be out for the rest of the season. If they want to sniff playoffs, they really did need Pedersen to be back. Yeah, and it really does beg the question if Pags, you know, has special powers and can predict the future because you you were pretty persistent on trading Elias Pettersson when he's still healthy in fantasy. And, you know, he, he only ended up playing, you know, one game, I think, after you traded him. So, you know, kudos to the move for, to you. Jonathan Bernier had an insane night that resulted in a loss to Dallas. Uh, he made 55 saves. And at one point, it was, you know, the shots were like 37-3 in favor of Dallas or 43. I don't know, but it was something insane, something like that. Um, and, you know, Dallas was just peppering Jonathan Bernier. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I guess Detroit's lucky to, you know, lose the game, but lose it in overtime. Mm, I feel like Jonathan Bernier, people people kind of just throw shade on him for no really, you know, no reason. I feel like his stats throughout his career have always been solid to an extent. I feel it's just, you know, it's just the, you know, occasional Jonathan Bernier, you know, quote unquote goal, you know, the full the full ice goal by Oliver Ekman Larson when he was in Toronto. You know, he kind of has those, you know, those low, low lights, you know, Jonathan Bernier. But, you know, throughout his career, he's been a solid goalie. And, you know, in this game specifically, wasn't able to pick up the win. But 55 saves is just crazy. We got breaking news, uh, breaking news per Eric Engels. Cole Caulfield is playing. Dominic Ducharme confirms Cole Caulfield, Habs top prospect, drafted 15th overall in 2019, uh, you know, had an amazing season at Wisconsin. Breaking news per Eric Engels, uh, Cole Caulfield is playing. Wow. Making his debut tonight. I think, you know, you're, you're definitely tuning into that one and I'll, I'll try to get try to get some action in on that one as well. Vegas is on a nine-game winning streak. Uh, that's a franchise record for them. So another record that they're setting. Uh, they are just an unstoppable force right now. Uh, they have everything going for them. No, exactly. I, I think Vegas is just, you know, super, super well-built. You know, great goaltending, good, good, solid defensemen. And, you know, their offense now, you know, with, with a guy like Stone and Pacioretty, you know, they're able to, you know, carry and then have the depth, you know, you know chip in here, here and, you know, every once in a while. So, you know, the Senators ran into an interesting problem on Saturday. Uh, you know, there's no e-bug 
uh, goalies this season because of the taxi squad. So you have to yeah. carry one goalie at all times. Um, so the Senators goalie carousel continued as Forsberg was supposed to start last night, but then he got uh, injured in warmups. Murray mm-hmm. got hurt during the game. So they got, so, you know, Marcus Hogberg stepped in and won or what didn't win, but he played the game and had mm-hmm. Hogberg got hurt. Artem Anisimov, the forward, uh, had the goalie gear on. And if you guys go to his Instagram, uh, he posted photos of him in the goalie gear. It was really funny, actually. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you never wish injury upon anyone. But, you know, maybe maybe we could have hoped that Hogberg had to tweak something and we actually would have seen Anisimov in, you know, game action. You know, you, you don't you don't see it very often, but it does happen. But, uh, you know, like it's a MLB players, you know, if the bullpen gets a little shallow. They'll have a player, you know, an, an outfielder, maybe an infielder go out and throw a couple pitches. But would have been fun to see, you know, Anisimov get in the net. Uh, you know, moving on to Sunday notes, not many notes to share here, but Claude Giroux scored two goals and he's actually now third all time in Flyers franchise history for points. Uh, he has 850 and Bill Barber is second with 883. So, you know, that's certainly a record that uh, Claude Giroux could potentially catch. No, 100%. I feel like Claude Giroux, you know, throughout our lifetimes, at least you and I, he's just been, you know, the face of that Flyers franchise. And, you know, uh, in the coming years, you know, he's been there so long. I feel like he's just going to, you know, continue to rack up the records for, you know, Philadelphia. Mika Zibanejad recorded his third career hat-trick. That's the first Ranger player to have three hat-tricks in one season since Marion Gabrick in 2010 and 2011. So, you know, Mika Zibanejad, a complete steal for when the Rangers traded for him from Ottawa. Uh, But yeah, so great to see that he's having uh, success. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, Mika Zibanejad, just such such a great player. And, you know, he's really, you know... He, he was underrated for the longest time. And now I feel like, you know, he, he's finally getting the respect he deserves as, you know, one of the top players in the league. And moving on to actually Zach Hogan's North Division power rankings for the week. Uh, Zach Hogan has, hold on, I'm just pulling it up here. Very unprofessional of me uh, as I do it while we are recording. I should have had it already pulled up. Um, oh, hold on here. This is very unprofessional. Uh, So first, he has the Maple Leafs. Second, he has the Oilers. Third, he has the Jets. Fourth, he has the Flames. Uh, Fifth, he has the Senators. Sixth, he has the Canucks. And seventh, he has the Montreal Canadiens. That's very, you know, actually, I mean, who am I to say? The Habs suck recently. Uh, so they deserve that seven spot. The Canucks come out of the gate flying, like you mentioned. Senators, uh, they're playing like one of the best North Division teams right now. They have a lot of confidence going for them. Yep. The Flames have been the Habs, uh, I think, like four of the five past meetings. So that makes sense. Uh, Jets, Edmonton, and Toronto all make sense there, number one. I think, you know, we'll see the Jets kind of fall off. I think, uh, you know, Zach Hogan has them right in the number three spot because of the injury uh, to Nick Ehlers that was announced today. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that injury does impact their top six. But, you know, they've lost, you know, Shifley for stretch. Uh, Maybe Shifley hasn't been hurt, but I know they've lost Wheeler and Dubois for stretches. So, you know, they've been able to adjust all year and, you know, they're going to have to once again. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, moving on to Pegs' predictions here. Uh, So these are for Tuesday's games. Uh, I have the Capitals over the Islanders. Flyers over the Devils, Rangers over the Sabres, Penguins over the Bruins, the Blue Jackets over the Red Wings, Lightning over Blackhawks, Panthers over Predators, and Hurricanes over the Stars. 
I'll go with the, uh, hmm, I don't know if Ovi's playing or not. Ovi also missed a game. I feel like, you know, that's that's uh, pretty interesting. You know, he, he's typically not a guy who's going to miss a game for injury. Uh, he, he was held out of Saturday's action. But uh, I'll go with the Islanders over the Capitals. Um, I'll go with the Devils over the Flyers. Flyers have been a little, you know, disappointing in the second half of the season. You know, the whole season, actually, they've been pretty disappointing. I'll go with the Rangers over the Sabres. Pains me. You know, I like picking the Sabres, but... You know, I got I got both Rangers goalies right now in fantasy, so I'm pulling for them in that game for sure. I'll go with the Red Wings over the Blue Jackets. I'll go with the Penguins over the Bruins. Um, I'll go with the Lightning over the Blackhawks. Uh, Stars over Hurricanes. I'll go with a little bit of an upset, but that could be Tyler Sagan's return. So, you know, I'm hoping for that. And I'll go with the Panthers over the Predators as well. Well, I'd like to thank again Nolan Thode for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire. It's always a pleasure, Pags.